I've written a book, a memoir, well, really a business memoir that follows me through my challenging life in Des Moines, Iowa, with all the twists and turns and inflection points to current day pandemic time. It will be published this year, so please go to natashamiller.co and sign up on my mailing list so you're the first to know when it's available. I'm also forming a launch team, so in case you'd like to be involved, I'll send you details about that too. It came down to trying to see how I can help a million female founders, and you know, we, we charge a lot of money for our brand, you know, consulting and our workshops to get people there, like our for Citrus, like our starting cost is like, I don't know, $30,000. And that's something that, you know, a female founder really can't afford. And you, know, you wouldn't want to spend $30,000 on your brand right away. But um, if you understand who you are, what you do and why it matters, and the book is like a tiny baby step to sort of understand how the world works, that you appear to, to people in a different way. Welcome to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. How do people end up becoming an entrepreneur? How do they scale and grow their businesses? How do they plan for profit? Are they in it for life or are they building to exit? These and a myriad of other topics will be discussed to pull back the veil on the wizardry of successful and fascinating entrepreneurs. I'm putting the finishing touches on a digital course for entrepreneurs to learn how to scale and grow their companies and find more profit in their current revenue. To download the free profit finder guide that I've created and also to put yourself on the wait list for the course, go to natashamiller.co. I'm Kalika. I'm a serial entrepreneur, inventor, mom, author of The Little Brown Book. You've got to listen to the Fascinating Entrepreneurs Podcast. Natasha Miller is amazing. Kalika Yap is a thriving serial entrepreneur whose businesses include award-winning brand agency Citrus Studios, LuxLink, The Waxing Co., The Tangerine Co., and Orange and Bergamot. We'll be talking to her today about what she's going to focus on this year, her new book and her kids' new business venture, among other things. Now let's get right into it. As a journalist, I think I had spent, you know, the last couple of years studying journalism. And then when I actually jumped into the career, there was this gnawing sense inside that it wasn't really right for me. And I didn't really want to listen to it because I, my parents had just spent like $100,000 in a private school education getting a journalism degree at NYU. And um, I think that once you start listening to what you don't know what you want, then you start opening yourself up to entrepreneurship. But the truth is, I, you know, was a journalist and my boyfriend moved to L.A. and I followed him and... You know, we broke up after three weeks and I couldn't find a job in journalism. And I started going to this internet cafe uh, called Cyber Java and started learning how to create websites. And when I got into the internet or web design, web development, something inside sort of clicked, you know, like I really, I really loved this. And it was a totally different feeling from what I got when. I was a journalist, so. So it's a little bit like a drug, right? Mm -hmm. That feeling, it's like elation and 
I, I mean, that's what it is for me. I'm wondering if you had an idea that you were had an entrepreneurial engine within you, or did you just discover it during this internet cafe uh, time of your time of your life? Well, my dad was an entrepreneur, and he always told me that, yeah, you're going to do this journalism stuff for about five years, but you may want to consider. And it was a good thing that he didn't push me into it because I probably would have rebelled. You know, like, let me do whatever. Let me decide what I want to do. Uh, but I think my first initial thing was, you know, should I do website design or search and optimization? But but really what it comes down to is I just love building businesses. That's what I found. Like, it wouldn't have mattered whether or not it was a waxing company or like a purse <laughs> accessory or a cookie business with my kids. Like, I love that adrenaline that you get, that high that you get. Like yep. you said, it's a drug. So what are the differences between the two, uh, two of many of your businesses, but Citrus Studios in Orange and Bergamot? Can you talk about both of them and, and why you have both? So Citrus Studios is mainly focused on building big websites for big organizations, Fortune 500 companies. And Orange and Bergamot, I spun it off because I really want to help a million female founders you know, make a million dollars in revenue and create a million jobs. And in order for you to do that, as a brand, you need to be a magnet for your potential customers. You, you talk to them in a different way. Like a female entrepreneur is completely different from a Fortune 500, Fortune 100 company. So that's why uh, th there's a little bit of a, a change in there. Had you ever thought with Citrus of just rolling that up into that brand? Or did you know immediately when you wanted to... Um, create a different niche and a different service that you definitely had to have a different brand for that? I think, you know, because I started learning about branding probably halfway into my career uh, as at Citrus, because, you know, we were primarily focused on website design. And I think like seven years into it, I understood what branding was. I think once you understand what branding is, which is really, really focused, really, really understanding that you are not selling to everyone, that's when I knew it was right to spin it off completely because if you say that you're, you're, you're gluten-free and you are for climate change and you're also, I don't know, uh, keto, it's confusing. So. It can be yeah, convoluted. I'm, I'm really glad uh, to know that because I had always wondered, um, because those are different entities, those are different entities, right? An LLC or an S corp, whatever they are, those are different tax returns. Those are different, um, you know, costs, do you share overhead and, and staff between the two? Yes, there is. There is an overlap. But as far as pricing goes, because Orange Bergamot's, you know, there's smaller projects, they're less cost because, you know, we spend less time on it. You know, we don't go through a full-blown process. That's why I wrote the book, Little Brand Book. It gives them a little bit of understanding what branding is. We go through a totally different process. But yeah, we do share teams together. Yeah, Interesting. So um, because this podcast is really geared to entrepreneurs and also people that want to be an entrepreneur, I love the idea of giving our listeners a learning you know, experience. So in talking about sharing resources, let's get into the little nitty gritty of like time management and tracking and making sure that if Stephanie, I just made that name up, works on 
70% of her time on a, on a big citrus event or a citrus website. And then the rest of her time is spent on orange and bergamot. How do you make sure you separate that so that your expenses and you know, you, you know what your profits are? What so is your we, secret? We use a tool called Hubstaff, which is a software that everyone tracks their time on. So depending on what project they're working on, it actually takes screenshots of your computer. So it's, it's relatively easy to see what they're working on. That's great. So we'll, we'll make sure that we get that in the notes. That's interesting. So when I've used Fiverr or one of those, um, I think it was Fiverr or Upwork, uh, that person would randomly, I would get screenshots from them. And I'm like, no, I believe that you're working on my job. And they're like, oh, we have nothing to do with it. The the engine sends it and the engine takes the screenshot. So I like slash don't like that artificial intelligence element. Well, what so I find, I thought it was really important to do that, especially during COVID, because I found that the people who are really hardworking were working way too many hours. And the people who weren't working, like they weren't, they weren't doing the work. So it's it's just good to be able to track. So that's what we do. I agree hundred percent. And it really, it helps everything with finances and profit, but also culture and, um, you know, it spreads its wings. So we're moving around very quickly. And the reason why is because you have so many things going on and I want everyone to know all of the things, but also, you know, be able to deep dive into some of them. So you created something called LuxLink, which I'd like you to talk about. But the question I'd like to know is how much time do you start spend working on it? And what's the future look like for that brand? So LuxLink is, I have a patent on this accessory that keeps your purse off the ground. And I, um, you know, it was very, very... I thought coming from a service business that a product would be so much easier, but at the end of the day, every single type of business has some type of, you need to put work into it. But now we have systems, now we have our licensing agreement, we have our e-commerce platform, so it's running. And so we basically license, we sell our license to several big organizations, and so we get royalty checks for that. We have a, a process for our e-commerce orders. It, it, it's running. It's running pretty smoothly, so I don't really have to do very much for that. And you know, I have a team helping with social media. Yes, and again, so as a teaching moment, so now we're talking about three companies so far, and I want people to understand. You know, we talk in entrepreneurs' organization, and and at some point, any entrepreneur is going to be told that working on their business, rather in their day to day is an important step. So within LuxLink, is there overlap with citrus and orange and bergamot? And how does that work? And how much of your time, if you had to show us a pie chart, what sliver is accounted, accounting to your time on LuxLink, for instance? Probably 10% of my time now. We have a factory in Zhongshan, China. We have our warehouse in Gardena. Um, I have my assistant that will tell me if there's something, some issues, but it's, it's very, very little now. But, you know, I started that company in 2006. Are you saying started. it's little in as far as size of company or little as far as um, input that you need to give it now? The latter. I <laughs> okay. only focus, like last week, you know, someone had sent me like, oh, there's this girl on TikTok that's saying that she invented the purse hook. And so I just notified the team, you know, there, there's a process for sending a cease and desist, you know. 
she got a licensing agreement together, you know, like we already have a process. So that was, yeah. that was all I, I, I did really for that. Great. So keeping along the lines of how to manage and juggle multiple businesses, one of the curious things that I would like to know uh, from you, and I don't ask this of everyone and I really should. First of all, do you have a CFO or a fractional CFO? Yes. And at what point in your business, as far as let's just throw out a revenue number, did you start working with a CFO or do you remember? Uh, probably around 2007, 2008, like what, around the time that I, well, I joined EO in 2008, I already had a, a CFO. So I asked the question because I was at probably 4 million in revenue before it even occurred to me to have a CFO. And one of the things that I talk to people about is I really wish I had one much earlier. It would have been so much easier. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that the, you need to have trusted advisors. So I've had my same attorney from the very, very beginning. So that, you know, legal wise, because we, you know, I have multiple attorneys for my different companies. But as far as CFO, it came like seven years into my business. And absolutely, like it's important for them to be on your case. Because sometimes like for me, it's just like my focus is like other things. And like, oh, I want to create this other thing. But she will pull me back and say, where the number, <laughs> yes. you know, and sometimes it's just, sometimes I get a little annoyed, you know, because I don't want someone to hold me accountable, you know, because I'm wild and, you know, I want to do whatever I want to do, but she asks the right questions, you know, so, but she's great. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So let's talk about the little brand book, which is gorgeous and very smart and such a helpful guidebook for entrepreneurs and people. Um, what was the impetus around that? And then I have some uh, follow-up questions that are very curious to me that I think other people would be very interested in. Yeah, so it came down to trying to see how I can help a million female founders. And you know, we, we charge a lot of money for our brand consulting and our workshops to get people there. Like our for Citrus, like our starting cost is like, I don't know, $30,000. And that's something that, you know, a female founder really can't afford. And you, know, you wouldn't want to spend $30,000 on your brand right away. But um, if you understand who you are, what you do and why it matters, and the book is like a tiny baby step to sort of understand how the world works, that you appear to, to people in a different way. You know, once you understand what archetypes are, how people make judgments on who you are and also understanding what your strengths are and focusing on that, it, it, it can help you make really, really good decisions. So, so, so the impetus of the book was because I want to help as many women succeed as possible. How did you come up with the various archetypes and, and where did you, what made you put the number that you did in there versus smaller or much more? I mean, there's quite a few, but yeah, there's 144 archetypes. So, so the concept of the book is there's always been in the idea of these these major archetypes. But as I was exploring other books that were writing about archetypes, that you really don't fall into one. Like, if someone is a rebel brand, like sometimes that could be like a major part of who you are. But there's like this minor part of you could be like the rebel, but an original brand, which is someone who's super creative, but wants to think outside of the box. And so that was my realization. And as I was stepping back and seeing that, oh, everyone talks about these 12 archetypes, but no one falls neatly into one. And so if you understand these sort of 
major and minor archetypes and how they show up in your personality, your brand, it will help you distinguish yourself, right? Because if I tell you that, oh yeah, the, um, the Nike brand is a rubble brand, it probably wouldn't really make sense, you know? But if I had told you that it was like the Hero, the hero brand plus a rebel brand, perhaps. I, I, it's, it's, it's not really the right brand, but then it'll, it'll make a lot more sense to you. So. And where do you fall? Um, and where do you fall? And can that change over time? Yeah. So I fall as a leader slash maven. So a leader is someone, you know, in a leadership role, but I also love teaching. And I wish I knew that about myself a long time ago, but, you know, sometimes, you know, there's that that, that, that concept, like the Jahari window, there are things that are blind to you. I started teaching classes on the internet in 1996. So mm-hmm. I've been doing this for free. Like, and now you see all these people doing like online digital courses, like teaching, te- you know, I was doing that in 1996 without being told. But if I had told, if you had told me like, oh, you could be a teacher, like, and my parents, my, my mom, my grandmother, and my, my, my grandfather was a teacher, but I didn't identify myself as a, as a teacher. And I, I wish I knew that because I, and then looking back when I was at the Getty, you know, before I started my businesses, I was also teaching, you know, I, I just came up with all these little classes and this curriculum. And I know I just invited you to like this full year ahead workshop. Like, you know, I created a workbook, like I spent two weeks on this workbook and then I, wor- I worked till 3am the day before, you know, one of the workshops, like earlier this year. And I just loved it. And I, I wish I knew that about myself. I, I just didn't see it. So do you think you were slowly growing into it and that it was just actually per- the perfect time? I've been doing it since 1996. That's what I was yeah. telling you. Like I, if I was more, if I had, if I had known that of myself, like I would have probably done these digital courses when I first started. Like I, I, I thought to myself as like, as a leader, you need to sell a product. You know, I, I just didn't know, you know, I see you, you may have done that more as a profession, maybe other than, or rather than some of your other things. There's no way to know. Of course, the hindsight is 2020. So, um, what times is like Brendan Burchard, you know, he was teaching since like 2014, you know, they've been all these people who are really popular now, Amy Porterfield, Mark, you know, Marie Forleo, they, they were doing it for seven to 10 years prior to what everyone is doing. And like, that would have been good, you know, because I wasn't on the internet, you know, this whole time. <laughs> but, you know, you're busy doing other things, you know. You were busy doing a lot of other things. Yeah. So talk to us about the maven archetype and, and what that means for you. So the maven is the one who likes to share, who, who likes to take in knowledge and also share it. So Oprah is, is the epitome of, of a maven brand, someone who likes to, yeah, consume information and share. Back to the brand book itself. First of all, the target demographic. So it's women. And do they have to be entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial? Or is it something I can give to my 25-year-old daughter? Oh, I think that you don't have to. But I really believe that if you understand who you are, it helps you make choices in the world. So it, it is geared for the fact that I, I think that we need to have more female entrepreneurs. You know, there's such a huge gap. You know, there's 30 million, 30.2 million small businesses, and only, I think, um, 12 million are women, and the rest of them are, are, are male entrepreneurs. Like, I think we need to show up more. So yes. it's a hope that not only to understand who you are, but 
also that you can do something phenomenal. In- are your books, are you promoting them to high schools and colleges? And if you're not, would be a great demographic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You self-published at first, and I saw that issue, and it was mm-hmm. it's beautifully designed. So period, end of story. If you want a beautifully designed book, this is it. But then you went to traditional publishing with Harper Design. So I would like you to teach the audience, as well as me, what are the top three major benefits of a traditional publishing deal versus self-publishing? Well, they'll give you an advance. (laughs) And I think that it's good to, you know, have that behind you, you know, like it's, I think people look at you a different way because a lot of times when people self-publish, which I think is incredible, you know, that, and the reason why I self-publish is because I want, you know, I had my, I had my goal that I wanted to publish a book, you know, put it together and sell it. And we had it up for like 30 days or so. Once Harper wanted to publish the book, taking it down and, you know, rewriting every single word, you know, in that book. So, so that book that the new, the new book, which is like here is completely different from the other ones. The names of the archetypes are different. The examples are different, but for me, it's, you just get a lot more attention. Like if you have a big publishing house and Harper Collins is one of the top six, I think it's second in the world. You just are on more podcasts. Incredible brand. If we're talking about branding, Harper Collins is. Yeah. Yeah, a phenomenal brand. So did they find you because of all of your success or were you introduced to them? Yeah, so I have an agent. I had an agent. There were several other uh, publishing houses that were interested in the book. but Oh, that's good. There was a little bidding war. You are an entrepreneur. You were going to get that book out no matter what, right? I understand that. Did you have the agent uh, when you self-published already or did you, you came upon that agent at some point after, and then you found some takers or bidders since there was a bidding war, it sounds like. Yeah, no, no. I already had the book and then was introduced to an agent. And she was like, there's no way that a publisher will take on this book that's already been published. And so I said, okay. And I was just like, okay, you know, like we can work another book. We're working on different outlines for other books. And, And then I think she just sent it around. And because it was already done like people could see it like yes there's no there's no imagination needed and i think you know in my opinion i'm going to guess and i don't know this at all that chronicle books probably was one of the entities that was interested because to me the branding and the graphic design just scream chronicle books if you're an entrepreneur want to be an entrepreneur or growing or helping someone else become an entrepreneur, please follow me on both Instagram and Facebook. I can be found at Natasha Miller Entrepreneur on both platforms. We are going to switch gears a little bit from you, kind of, to your daughters. What is going on with those girls? They are taking the world by storm with their cookies, which I need to order. I'm pretty sure you will ship them to me. Just let everyone know what's going on with that. My daughter, I've been sort of training them in entrepreneurship since they were nine. So they've had a company called Conscious Kids since they were nine years old, selling things from felt bulletin boards to uh, at at our pop-ups to slime to used books, you know, and Finally, over the, uh, the holiday, you know, just because we have, not holiday, but just because we've got a lot more time with COVID, 
my daughter has always had an interest in baking and that's really how they came up with the idea and they have some a little bit of experience you know under their belt so who is their target demographic did they write a business plan? Is there a goal for profit? Are you donating everything? What's the story and what is it called? It's called Conscious Kids Cookies. And their goal is to help you know, what, what Malia calls it, kids in, uh, who have food insecurity. And so 10% of the proceeds go to No Kid Hungry. Mm, and yes. Each of the different cookies is imbued with a different quality. So like some one of them is like, one kind cookie, one grateful cookie. And so they've imbued these, these ideas uh, onto the cookie to share what they call kindness. So. That's so great. What is your favorite, your personal favorite flavor? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I love the pandan cookie, oh, the pandan yeah. coconut, which is a coconut. Uh, it's, it's, pandan is a leaf, but it's like the green cookie. It's really, really delicious. Both of us are Filipino, so it's a Filipino cookie. Have your girls um, really celebrated the little brand book or are they too close to it? And it's like mom's thing. Oh, the girls? Yes, well, your they daughters. Know what their, they know what their archetype is, you know? So my daughter, Malia, is a leader and my other daughter, she's the original. So she's the artist of the family. It's so much fun. It's so great that this is like family bonding, educational, philanthropic, building so many skills. Um, that's but you know what though? My youngest daughter wants to be like you, like she wants to sing on Broadway. You know? She can do that too. If yeah. she, I mean, she can do it all. You're doing it all. Well, I told her that in any endeavor that she should try to think, is there an entrepreneurial way you can achieve your goal so absolutely well if she ever wants to talk to me yeah, i'm available can she of she course to sing but she's shy you know i was shy i loved singing and i loved i really did love and was proud of my voice but i didn't need to be seen i didn't want to be on stage gallivanting about i literally thought can i just stand behind the curtain but i got over it and she, she can too how did you get over it um, doing it over and over and over. So before I was a singer, I was a classical violinist and I was always in a symphony. And even as concert master, which I was often, that's that first chair, you blend into 80 instruments. Then when you're thrust upon the stage singing, if you forget the words or you don't know where to come in, it's so vulnerable. But now I use that vulnerability and some of those mistakes as fodder for the audience. They love it. And sometimes I just keep going and it doesn't matter, but it took me a long time of doing it over and over and over to get used to it and to understand that it's better when you make mistakes because perfection and flawlessness is boring. Your voice is incredible. Are you going to sing on your podcast? I know that. <laughs> Person who sings on his podcast, Darius. Do you know I'm not going to sing on the podcast, but with the launch of my memoir, I'm going to be doing um, instead of just a book reading, it's going to be sort of performance based. And with the audible version, there'll be uh, excerpts of the songbook of my life from the seven CDs that I've recorded. Okay, back to you. I don't know how secret this is because, but I'm just going to blow your cover. You have something really cool that I have experienced, that I have talked about so many times to people, and it's your secret society. Oh, secret circle? So, sorry, secret circle. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is also a society, but it's called secret circle. I was just mesmerized 
by being invited by you to this secret thing, getting the address last minute, and walking through a deliciously stinky cheese shop into a parking lot and then into a storage room that was so beautifully designed and that the meal was out of this world. It was kind of like being in a different different universe. Yeah. So what was your idea about that? And is it still going? And I can tell you what I what I personally got out of out of it after that. Yeah, no, it's not going anymore because of the coronavirus. But I think for me, it's I really love connecting people. And and I think that in order for people very busy and very fascinating entrepreneurs like yourself, like, you know, you want to make it fun, you want to make it interesting, because I would want that, you know, I don't want to show up to a place where it sucks, you know, like here I am driving 40 minutes, you know, in LA to go get somewhere like you want to be surprised, you want to be delighted. And plus, I appreciate all my friends so much. And for me, what started it was number one, like, I didn't have time to see all my friends all at once. And so, you know, setting up coffees with everyone is is difficult with with our busy schedules. So the idea was let's bring everyone together and also bring in new people so that other people can meet other people. So Natasha, you knew like, I don't know, probably like a quarter of the people that were there probably, you know, so that it, you didn't feel like you were alone. Well, I knew you and that's really all I needed to know. I didn't know that I would know anyone there. And do you remember what happened? I was sitting across the table directly from a woman yeah. I went to high school yeah. with. Yeah. yeah. And I she was a couple of years older than me and I just I I was dumbfounded by the magic of that whole experience. Yeah, and the food, right? I can't even, I will remember that day forever. So I met one of the ladies that you had invited and we worked together for a year and we're still very close and we're, uh, you know, we share experiences and share information and, and give each other tips and it's just been so mutually beneficial. So thank you for the experience, but also the introduction to these phenomenal women. Yeah. I love connecting people. Did I tell you that story about I connected one of our EO entrepreneurs to my agent at the time, and he got into the Today Show. My agent for LuxLink, and then okay, let's do it. Tell it, tell tell it here. Six million dollars, like on the Steals and Deals program, and the next day I think he made like one point three. You know, so okay, literally, it's you're like one person away from like. Oh, yes. Potential. Can you say who or what the product is, or is it a secret? Yeah, no, no. It's Jeremy Shepard from Pearl Paradise. That's, that's amazing. So you, in addition to owning all of these companies, really love to connect people and be the rainmaker. You are the catalyst for so many things to happen for other people's lives. I love seeing people succeed. Like, it is just like, oh my God, like every single time I'm like, oh my God, you're doing so good. Like, whatever I can do, I, 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 I am so thrilled by that. Like, so it just lifts my heart. I can tell you're very motivated by that. So what is next for you? Anything brewing that you want to hint at or even describe and give, you know, listeners an idea of what they're going to see from you in the future? Well, I'm coming up with a guy version of this book. And um, I'm also working on, you know, I, I, did I send you the, the full year ahead workbook? So yes. I'm, I've created all these different workbooks to help, again, you know, female entrepreneurs. And I'm going to be creating digital products for that. So on clickit.com in the very near future, if it's already not up there, you know, you can 
download some of these uh, products because I love Yeah, I was on your website. It's beautiful and it's so packed full of you in, in, in a way that is so teaching and giving and beautiful. There's nothing not beautiful about you as a person, but also because you know about branding so much, you really do infuse that into everything that you do, which I really appreciate. Um, so the digital products, the guidebook, is there anything, anything that's tapping you on the shoulder that you're not really fully formed formulating yet? Or are you thinking of 10 ideas a day? Well, there's something that I've been really scared to do, which is, you know, have, you know, launch like some type of YouTube channel or like do more on ID Reels, you know, like share more education, you know, but I, I think for me, you know, a lot of times when I see all these content creators, like they're doing it, but there's no, you know, monetary value. You know, I'm such a business person. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, how do you really monetize it? And also really like everyone says like, oh, you can make passive income but is it really passive? So I think that I have to look at these ideas with my eyes wide open and think like, okay, it's going to be a lot of work. Just like, remember, I, 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 I thought that, oh yeah, I'm going to just make a product like the LuxLink and it's going to be really easy because service businesses are too hard. But just like everyone is doing a digital course or everyone's doing a, you know, selling something so that they can get passive income, right. I have to look at it with my eyes open. And would you consider creating another physical product based on your experience with LuxLink and knowing what you know about yourself as an educator, a digital course creator, and a service-based business provider? Yeah, so it's going to be digital products, not not physical products, you know, because <laughs> I realize like it's just you can really scale a lot, you know. So. Yeah, someone recently asked me a question about physical products, and I'm like, here's the deal. I don't want to have inventory. I don't want to have a warehouse. I know that about myself. Like other people, very much suited to that. Me, not at all. Yeah. But there are lots of other tools. Like I think that there's this tool called, I think, Get Studio. I'll, I'll give you the, the link. But what they do is if you do have something, like they will fulfill it for you. Like it's it's brand new. I'll, I'll get you the link. That's so great. I'm I'd doing that. I'd love the link for everyone listening <laughs> or maybe we'll everything I'm... for you, you know? So like if you have your logo, you know, like if I have like branded stuff, they'll fulfill everything for you Wonderful. and create the store for you as well. Oh, goodness gracious. I love the done for you services out there. It's brilliant. So this year, what is the top strategy that you'll be focusing on um, for your companies and your endeavors? I'm halfway through my planning and the one word that I'm coming up with, like, I really need to listen more, you know? And so I, I think listening is a strategy for me this year. A lot of times I'm just talking way too much and not paying attention. And when I listen, I can also help grow, grow, you know, the leadership in my team rather than me saying like, Oh, you should be doing this or X, Y, Z, like having the patience to be able to listen, have them come up with a solution so that they can grow. And I can grow as well, too, because it's pretty tough for me. I think you're a good listener, um, but I think you're also very active. But I understand what you're saying, because to listen is to give up uh, some of your ego and some of, some of your ambition and really sit quietly with the person in front of you and give them that allegiance. And as entrepreneurs and creators, our pistons are firing a million you know, times a second, and it, it is difficult I think I found with this podcast that 
listening more than sharing or asking long-winded questions, which I wasn't actually doing a great job on this one with you, but that's okay. That's what editing is for. Um, but I think listening is great. And listening is the way that you can learn about yourself, but also, of course, the other person. Yeah, I think for me, like, I just don't want to come across as, you know, a know-it-all or like arrogant or, you know, like, oh, like, I've been a business owner for 21 years. Like, there's so much more left to learn. And, and how you can do that is by paying attention and, and, and listening to other people. With five plus businesses, a book and another one on the way, we learned a lot about Kalika, but really only scratched the surface. She is the epitome of an entrepreneur, always creating, always on the lookout for what's next, and now with the goal of helping one million women create million dollar businesses and create a million jobs. That is no small task, but if anyone can do it, Kalika certainly can. I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. Do you want to wow your best clients, build a stronger, longer-lasting, and more profitable relationship? Do you have a trade show or summit that you need branded promo items to leave your mark? Entire Productions Marketing has the most beautifully curated items at various price points, and we don't make you click through thousands of ugly thumbnail images. Go to entireproductionsmarketing.com. For more information about me, go to my website, natashamiller.co. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review where you're listening to this podcast now. I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs.